creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, July 7th, 2017, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron String, and this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, beautiful gallery, professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. I can tell you building a website with Squarespace is easy. It's a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. I was just over at relevantmediagroup.com, which is a Squarespace website, wow. adding new jobs this week. So um, I can tell you it's... Just simple and easy. Uh, Squarespace has beautiful, uh, best-in-class templates, whether you're doing uh, galleries or even an online store. They have amazing commerce uh, tools and fantastic customer support. Right now, Squarespace is offering Relevant Podcast listeners a special deal. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and then enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, Squarespace, set your website apart. Oh, I like it. Like I said, I'm your host Cameron, and here with me in our Orlando studios, uh, Eddie Big Cat is out this week. So yeah. it's it's just our illustrious producer on the ones and twos, my brother Chandler Strang. Hello. Over there on the Skype line, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Loveland, Virginia. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, guys. And sitting in for the whole show this week, our, our longtime friend from Sydney, Australia, Adam Smith, is joining us. Hey, everybody. Longtime friend, first time caller. <laughs> Cameron, can I throw something out there real quick? I know you mentioned this in the Squarespace thing where you said you were, you were adding jobs to, yeah. to relevantmediagroup.com. Several. Yes. Cameron, Cameron gave me a scare earlier this week, guys, because we were, or, or last week, should I say, we were trying to schedule something, like a meeting with some people, and Cameron goes, I can't do then. I have a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> down, down to the down to the old uh sparrow. so i was like so my response literally was this was like uh good luck jay crew is looking for some seasonal help i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah the job interview makes it sound like you're going to apply at cold stone creamery or something too yeah. well How he, he, know, to he later it? told me that he was there was a management position at chipotle and yeah. you know that's that's a vertical thing i mean you get yeah, plugged in that pipeline. That, no that, ceiling. That no ceiling at Chipotle right now. <laughs> and if, if there's one thing, Cameron, to always been a stickler about, it's proper rolling of burritos. That's right. Honestly, we go to Chipotle, he makes them re-roll it four or five times. Four or five. And then I usually throw it at them to make them redo it. <laughs> Just remember to always up the guac. It's extra. It's extra. I've seen, I've seen Cameron taste test guac and then spit a, a chip, like spray the chip back in the person's face and say, again, he's very <laughs> particular. And he's finally going to crack down on these kids comping guac to their friends. Yeah. Well, to make room guys, to make room for me uh, to pick up this extra shift, you know, I'm not going to be in the office as much. So I need to have somebody fill in for me. You know, it's summer break right now. And one of the things that you guys can't see because you're on the Skype line, we actually do have an extra person in the studio with us. I'm grooming him to take my place. Uh, sitting in uh, for the podcast today, Cohen Strang is here on the mic. Say hi, buddy. Hi. <laughs> He's here with headphones on, so keep it clean, guys. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we usually just launch into tirades of the most darkly scatological <laughs> profanity you can imagine. <laughs> just, just this once. That. Just this once. We're going we're gonna to keep it PG. Yeah. Tyler, it's weird that you mentioned Cold So Creamery this early in the show, because I actually went there this weekend with my family. Oh, and as we were leaving... 
Like my Dana paid like and I was holding the ice cream for the kids and stuff. And as soon as I'm about to walk out the door, I hear the the cashier go, we just got a tip. And (gasps) guess who it is? And they all just break out. And it's a full creamery at this point. Oh, wow. I I was so tempted to reach across the counter and take out money from the chip jar. So they would stop singing, like neutralize the transaction. Like if I wanted that attention, they, they we they did they robbed me of a blessing in heaven. I had a treasure. I had one treasure got took out of my chest in my mansion. So thanks, Coldstone. The, the thing is, Jesse, that they actually have a special song for people who rob the tip jar, and it's like a sad lament. <laughs> so it's like a lay miserable. Like the way you uh, sang that song reminded me of an article that I. Actually actually read on Facebook today by okay. Adam Smith where he wrote an expose or no, he was writing reviews of kids shows. Now he's got a parent. Now that I'm yeah. a dad, apparently he's taken to having to watch all these inane <laughs> kids shows. And so he's, yeah. he decides to vent by reviewing them on the internet. And I read one that he wrote about the backyardigans. Jesse, your little ditty sounded like a backyardigans kind of song actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it, maybe it's because all those songs have infiltrated my brain too, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be clear. A YouTube comment does not count as an article in 2017. So the fact that Adam goes into YouTube and just says, please shut up, does not constitute a full phrase. <laughs> please, please, I'm begging you. I, I am thankfully, Chan- or, uh, Cohen is now seven, so I am out of the woods with the uh, backyardigans, Yo Gabba Gabba, uh, yeah. those ones where it's just bright, shiny objects and singing. Um, oh, man, I'd watch Yo Gabba Gabba all day. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I like it way more than my daughter does. Oh, it was it was definitely my favorite. Uh, we took Cohen to the live show. I, we had a poster up in his room. It was I was trying to encourage the Yo Gabba Gabba thing because at least it was like cool bands and stuff. It's kind of like it surprised me how trippy some of them are, though. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, like, you know, like all the the super cool underground warehouse parties that, uh, you know, like electronic indie raves that happen in Williamsburg that you're never invited to. Right. Yo Gabba Gabba is exactly. Exactly what's happening at every single one of them. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, we have a great show coming up for you. Coming up today, uh, we talked to Lainey. Their debut album just came out, and it's fantastic. You, pro- I mean, we've been fans of Lainey for a while. Um, yeah. They've they've released like five EPs. It feels like, and they yeah. just released their debut album. I couldn't when I read it was their debut. I couldn't believe it because I've been like listening to their music for a few years. But uh, debut album, and we also talked to Sharon Cohn Wu an activist and a lawyer and uh, international justice mission, senior vice president of justice system transformation. Eddie uh, talks to her coming up later on the show today. So. I, I, we'll, we'll hear her bio later, but literally like the most accomplished person that's ever been on this show. Yeah. Like she's got a degree from UVA. She graduated from Harvard law cum laude, wow. like, you know, has worked in international law, like in, in the highest levels for like, definitely the most intimidating person that's ever graduated. This podcast. And we've had some pretty intimidating people. And that includes those guys Jesse owed money to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that includes, yeah, a, a dude that, that literally broke my arm. Uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a good show. Big show. Yeah. It's a good show. Uh, how is uh, Parenthood, Adam? How's, uh, how's, how's it treating uh, you? Yeah. It's really good. I'm, uh, I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, I actually get to work from home three days a week and, uh, spend all the time with the little one so it's uh it's good times but uh she uh, i have to <laughs> Wait, be kind of 
on my toes through this whole podcast because she has absolutely no sense of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know like when that starts to develop in kids, but it takes a lot longer than 13 months because she'll, she will just walk off the edge of like high surfaces. <laughs> wow you know like wally coyote like he'll walk out over the cliff and then look down and see what's happening and plummet to the earth that's like she will literally do that so i have to be ready at a moment's notice wow sounds stressful but you get like i feel like you develop like the spidey senses like you know there you you know a kid is about to fall off something without even turning your head you just like you know your arm just reaches out and you catch them like it's this weird sense that develops i feel like over time well i mean in my case it's more kind of on a rolling 30 second basis you know so it's just like well it's been about half a minute she's about to walk off the edge of something (laughs) (laughs) well uh that's good well moving the show along uh it's time to look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment Cohen is opening a bag of chips on Mike. What are you doing? Hey, Cohen, Cohen, what kind of chips are those, dog? Um, like peanut butter crackers, right? Yeah. Yeah, peanut butter crackers. You Good know, choice. so, so it's like choice. a peanut butter sandwich cracker thing, so six of oh, them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Trying, like, he's a nutter, like a nutter butter, sort of. No, but it's, you know, not not cookies you know it's the regular kind yeah yeah so he's trying to wrestle that thing open so they're good for you is what you're saying (laughs) yeah better for you yeah are they the bright orange ones no it's the the round tan ones because i I feel like those bright orange ones like come preloaded with a half a bag of crumbs like when you open them literally you can open them i can have surgical equipment Right. Like I could use it like uh, like fine tweezers and like a scalpel to open the plastic. And within seconds, my entire table will be covered in orange crumbs. I don't know what it is with those things, but I literally feel like when they touch air, they just start disintegrating into crumbs. I my concern when I'm looking at them side by side, because we have we provide free snacks for everybody here at the office. And so there's like an array of chips and, you know, crackers and all these things. And when you're looking at them side by side, you got the tan round ones and you got the square bright orange ones it's always a thing of the, the the tan ones just maybe feel like they're a little bit more of actual food yeah. than the yeah. bright orange thing which i don't know what that cracker is supposed to be yeah well compared to the bright orange ones the tan ones are basically medicine <laughs> yeah that's right so I'm thinking, <laughs> the, 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 the other the other like food item that it's impossible not to make a gigantic mess while eating that's a snack which i think you have in that bowl too are the nature valley like granola bars it's like you withdraw them from the bag and if you if you decide to either take the first bite or crack it in half or something right. it's like you picked up like an old monument or like an old statue <laughs> that you found like in the bottom of a cave that's like a thousand years old and it just yeah or like a, a mummy <laughs> It just turns to dust. Like that's literally what happens when when one part of the Nature's Valley granola bar is broken. Like it just disintegrates into like two million pieces of granola. Do they still sell those? I remember when I worked in as a like in high school or something. The vending machine that was like the only healthy option. And yeah. I remember thinking like I would eat that in the morning. Like oh this um this is good for my health. You know now we know yeah. that it was just complete you know syrup yeah. and stuff. But now. 
I'm sorry, Cameron. What I heard there was when I worked in high school at the vending machine. No, no. When I, when I would be at the office. supposed to be automatic. If someone told you it was your job to, you know, to vend those snacks, no, I think the, that they were kind of, you know, leading you up the garden machine. path. I'm just saying it was all chips and cookies and stuff. And then there was like this one healthy option, the Na- Nature's Valley thing, which never was healthy but i thought it was in the 80s <laughs> it's it's true though that when it's true that whenever you eat a nature's valley granola bar i i could build another nature's valley granola bar out of the crumbs left over <laughs> from eating the first one it's amazing it's like jesus breaking the bread it just multiplies <laughs> on you like in your lap in thousands of tiny pieces <laughs> you're, you're literally waist deep in crumbs and you're like how did this how did this much comes crumbs come from half a can't half a nature's valley bar but no the other thing about like Cameron to your point about like believing something is healthy I remember a low point in my diet which I've had many valleys in. and it was it was probably 10 years ago and I was in a food court in Altamont Springs <laughs> which all you guys know where is at in Florida at a mall and I was eating I probably like a cheeseburger or Taco Bell or something. And I was with someone who who was in the same period of life and uh, was eating uh, their meal, which I'll reveal what it was. But they just said, man, it just feels so good to finally eat healthy for once. They were eating Sabaro. They were eating vegetables on the side of their pasta from Sabaro. It looked like they had ordered vegetables and they gave them soup and the broth was butter. Like that was the state of the Sabaro. I, and I remember thinking, my health is at risk. Here. I could die at any moment. <laughs> oh. this, uh, this reminds me of a, a friend from work who recently was talking about, you know, uh, the eating chocolate. And one of our other friends is like, oh, what kind of chocolate do you like? He's like, oh, you know, just milk chocolate, not like the healthy stuff. It's like, oh, you mean like the chocolate the doctor would prescribe? <laughs> <laughs> I try to, in providing the snacks for the staff, I try to have a healthy option. So we have um, the, the gummy bears, but they were like 10% real juice ones, you know? the fruit <laughs> snacks so i have a little it's kind of like we're providing fruit hey, for everybody d- I got newsflash. There is no way to test that. Literally, no one has ever tested to see if that, like they could put anything percent juice on that bag and no one's testing it. That's true. Like that's a lie. That is just a big lie. There's no juice in gummy bears. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, just, I'm pretty sure this is just my saliva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, it's time uh, for in case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, Nick Offerman co-produced a film about activist and Christian author Wendell Berry. The film's called Look and See, a portrait of Wendell Berry. It's just released, and it offers a moving look at the writer's prolific life and work. It's produced by a team including Nick Offerman, Robert Redford, and Terrence Malick. Uh, in a new interview this week, uh, Nick described how meaningful Wendell's writings about creation and how to treat each other and how to experience daily life have been to him. Here's a clip. All of his, he, he writes poetry and essays and fiction, and it all, you know, it's all fueled by the same gas tank of common sense and a simple affection for other people and for the creation, you know, for the creation. He understands that uh, no matter how flashy your car is or, or your city, at the root of it, it all had to come from the dirt and the soil and the trees and the water and the air. And we've all been taught to ignore all that stuff and just become really good consumers. And as, as I was making the transition from a little rural town and this family, some of whom are farmers, into living in cities and working as an entertainer, 
it was exactly the the antidote that I needed. Nick, Nick Offerman will always just be a version of Ron Swanson to me. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like they've merged yeah. into one person at this point. And and if this movie is produced by Terrence Malick, does that mean the first three hours is like creation happening in real time? Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just literally kind of watching atmospheric noises yeah. and, and flashing shapes. Wendell Berry just writes the book. It's just a camera on Wendell Berry for the entire writing of his first book. That's the movie. documentary. And like various people like walking through waist high grass at sunset and like running their hands on top of the wheat. Like that's the entire film. Yeah. Uh, hey, in case you missed it, uh, Trip Crosby's Pastor Mark character conducted a very uh, important interview with Rob Bell. Um, it, it's pretty great uh, to to get word out about his new book. Rob Bell uh, hired Trip Crosby to do kind of kind of more uh, funny kind of promo videos, right, leading up to the book's release. Well, the, the book released last week, and then they released this uh, interview, quote-unquote. Um, so the character, Pastor Mark, is basically a take on the stereotypical, young, cool, evangelical pastor. And then he, uh, quote-unquote, interviews uh, Bell, the author of you know, all these controversial books, the quote unquote interview goes about as well as you can imagine. Um, as the zone station house student pastor offers some gentle correction to his quote, former brother in Christ. Here's a clip. <laughs> What's up guys. Pastor Mark here. Uh, listen, I have the honor and privilege today of talking with our former brother in Christ, Rob Bell. Hey, thanks for letting me be here, man. Uh, listen, we, we really appreciate all that you did up until the, the last NUMA. We realize you're a good guy. Every Sunday night and Wednesday night, we got the uh, 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 Potter's Crate. That's our worship band. It sounds just like Coldplay, but it, we sing about God. We do pizza. We'd love to have you sometime. <laughs> really? Oh God. We'd love to have you sometime. Oh, really? Like, can I speak? Uh, well, it'd like be more talk? like an interview, uh, like something I could control on stage, right? We interview and we, we talk about some of these questions people have about the Bible. Could we talk about, like, the American military-industrial complex and the, you know, perpetuation of the myth of redemptive violence and how it's actually antichrist in its animating myth? Yeah, brother. Because that's, like, one of the central themes of the Bible, is what happens when an empire... Well, I, I, you know, start stockpiling chariots and drones and be careful of that. And your participation in entrenched systems of injustice that oppress people with military We just love violence. you, brother. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you for a Q&A. Um, I don't know about all that, but we it would be great just to just to have you, man, because, you know, we've been watching your NUMA films for like 20, back, you know, we've been watching NUMA films since you wore glasses, man. <laughs> The best part of this is, like, neither of them can stop laughing. Like, neither of them can keep a straight face. And the thing is, like, everything that Trip is saying so tongue-in-cheek to Rob Bell, Rob Bell has heard, like, literally before. Like, I'm so glad to be here with my former brother in Christ. Like, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm sure Rob Bell has heard it. That makes it all the more fun. I, lo I love the fact that, like, clearly, you know, Bell's publisher paid for it and stuff, and... But I like that he won. I mean, he was aware that like we want Trip to do some funny stuff, but you can tell he wasn't aware of what Trip was going to do or say. Yeah, I mean, like he's genuinely, you know, re reacting and stuff. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, the new Avatar movie. Remember that thing? Uh, will be in glasses-free 3D. Hmm. Last week, filmmaker James Cameron Isn't announced. <laughs> That, Isn't that just a play? <laughs> <laughs> it's a stage production? 
Uh, he announced that avatars two, three, four, and five. Yes, there are going to be five of them. Will use a new technology that will allow viewers to experience the movie in 3D without wearing special glasses. How is he going to do it? With lasers that produce 60,000 lumens of light to provide bright images at incredibly high frame rates. Uh, it's still unclear how many theaters are actually be equipped with the laser technology, but the next installment is coming uh, in 2020. So there's still some time. Man, they just opened that Avatar Land at Disney, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, I think I kind of remember that movie." <laughs> it's like the biggest movie in the history of of the moviedom, right? The, the highest grossing movie highest ever. Grossing. Yeah. and I can't. You couldn't name one fan of it. That's yeah. the craziest thing. <laughs> name a single character without looking it up. Can anybody name a character from the movie? There was something blue and then yeah, tails. Yeah, I remember the blue. The tails did naughty things. You know, I mean, <laughs> franchises have like been born and died and been rebooted. And the time it's going to take this movie to get one freaking sequel. Yeah. yeah. Well, because he's in like, you know, that he did like he's he just like cast the vision. He's like, I want to do 3D without glasses. And, and they were like, well, how are we going to do that? And he's like, laser. <laughs> figure it out I'm issuing a press release you have like three years to make it didn't happen it, that's didn't what it, happened here didn't it take him like 15 years to make the first one because the technology wasn't there for his vision maybe yeah. that's why they this I think it came out in what 2011 so it'll be nine years before the sequel comes out I mean, maybe yeah, it's it literally a thing. He had to wait. He had to wait because they couldn't, they didn't have the technology to make the cat people blue enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> More blue. <laughs> they, you know, they, they had a finished version like, you know, 10 years ago and he watched it. And he's like, not, not even close to blue enough. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> Scrap the whole thing. Uh, hey, in case you missed it, Disney is just now removing a human trafficking scene from one of its children's rides. Um, they've just announced it'll soon be changing a controversial element of element of its Pirates of the Caribbean ride, an attraction that has been around five decades and inspired the film franchise. It's revamping the ride as part of the new movie rollout and will change an animatronic scene where pirates are seen laughing and auctioning off tied up women. I remember this scene yeah, well. Behind them is a sign that reads, take a winch for a bride. Um, in the new version, the sign will read, surrender your loot and pirates will be seen uh, selling off stolen items. So, yeah, the pirates are meant to be bad guys in the ride, but they're also the ride's primary appeal. So it's somewhat baffling that a theme park meant to appeal to families, you know, still features a scene uh, making light of trafficking. Right. But, I mean, I, that's times have changed, you know? Yeah. I guess. Well, I, we posted this on social media and people are like, oh, here, political, politically correct culture, whitewashing history. I'm like, I really wonder if I like, you realize the Pirates of the Caribbean ride isn't a museum, right? That there, this isn't like a true historical story. I hate to break it to you, but there also were no ghost pirates. The zombie pirate that is just a skeleton and a sword and an eye patch that chases the boat, that's not real either. Like, they're not changing. They're glorifying and making something terrible, you know, amusing. And they're finally coming around to change it. It's like, like I said, there. Someone literally said, like, so, so we should probably just take stories about the slave trade out of history books. I'm like, that's exactly what Disney is doing. They're changing an accurate, true account of Captain Jack Sparrow, and, and no generation will know his true heroic antics of how just how evil the pirates were that he was fighting. Thanks a lot, Disney. You've ruined history. 
<laughs> I keep ranting. I keep. Yeah, that's it. No, man, that was, that was, wow. Hot take. Hot take there. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, this week in our weekly Stephen Colbert news, uh, this week he said uh, fidget spinners are actually a great way to teach the Trinity. Uh, he was discussing how churches around the country are using the toy as a way to explain uh, the idea of the Trinity. And despite some scholars claiming that the metaphor was somewhat somewhat um, heretical, Colbert actually liked the concept and compared it to ancient ways that Bible teachers used symbols to describe the Trinity. Here's a clip. You Catholic says the idea that the fidget spinner explains the Holy Trinity is heretical. Each person of the Trinity is fully God, not a one-third component that when combined with others becomes God. That falls into partialism, modalism, or Sibelianism. That's right, parents. Is your teen doing Sibelianism? Look for the warning signs, like knowing what Sibelianism is. No idea. But this is ridiculous. It's uh, traditional to explain the Holy Trinity with whatever's lying around. You know, in the fourth century in Ireland, none other than St. Patrick used a shamrock to explain it. But, I mean, admittedly, you got to drink a lot of Guinness if you want to see it spin. There you go. Fidget spinners. They're everywhere yeah. right now. And- and they also have, you know, the it kind of demonstrates the the equal parts of the triune God, and there's LED lights, so you know, biblically accurate, just like God. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, and lastly, in case you missed it, Arcade Fire has released a new song off their upcoming album, Everything Now. Uh, uh, Signs of Life dropped last week as the band prepares to release the follow-up to 2013's Reflector. We're going to see them at Lollapalooza next month. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Here's a clip. Those cool kids stuck in the past. Parments of cigarette ash. Where we going? Who did you ask? Those cool kids stuck in the past. In a world of cigarette ash, where are we going? Who did you ask? There you go. Arcade Fire. Good jam. It's got a kind of a 70s vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, but of, so did Reflector. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, clearly yeah. their lane now. They went from like epic, you know, moving cinematic scores almost to like 70s disco, disco stuff. It, yeah. yeah, well, and this one almost has like a Rolling Stones vibe to me, too. I don't know. Maybe like, that's a Like all people, vibe. they moved on from U2 to Bowie. As they got more intelligent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Still not as hipster as Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not, yeah quite that evolved yet. Yeah. <laughs> wait, till, wait till they start having kids. Then then they'll come around. <laughs> no, hey, Arcade Fire was on Yo Gabba Gabba once. Are they? That yeah. does surprise not surprise me heard. at all. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an aspirational thing for them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'll, I'll make another uh, analogy. Yo Gabba Gabba is so hipster it makes Sufian Stevens look like Chris Daughtry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned up next. Slices. You're listening to Royal Blood. The song is Lights Out. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Toro Imwa 
with inside my head, which is what this podcast is right now. That's the beauty of podcasting. We're straight to the straight to the brain. Hey, do, Jesse, do you remember for for like a solid year, I called them Toro e Moy? <laughs> I do, I do. Then, I remember getting a very angry letter from them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're just now allowed to play their music again. It's very cool of them to put that let that water go under the bridge. Toro They're very moi. sensitive about yeah. the moi moi. Yeah. No thing. Don't. I, if I learned anything in life, you don't mess up moi moi. Moi moi moi. Their new album uh, came out on Friday or yeah. today. Dude, there's a lot of great new music coming out right now. That's true. Taylor like, Swift. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably probably not too far off. Miley Cyrus. The, the, hey, I was I I was traveling this week and I had a rental car, so I just it was stuck on the pop radio station. You know, and yeah. they played that Miley Cyrus song quite a bit. It's actually a good song. That uh, hey. that's kind of countryish, kind of yeah. like Americana thing she's doing. I mean, she's a good singer. Just is she? She's got a great voice. Wait, is yeah. she really? Well, she's got uh, a great voice. Hey, there, yeah. uh, Chandler. I don't know. I don't know if this is the appropriate time to do this, but there is a cover of her singing. There's a video out there. No, of do her not covering Google Dolly Miley. Parton's Jolene. Yeah. Do not. And holy cow! Yeah, it's, it's it a does Miley Cyrus it will bring you to tears. Do when not sing the right song. Do not Google Miley Cyrus, or else your Kurt Cameron filter is going to pop up. <laughs> 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 but, but if you have time and you're looking for something, find the video of Miley Cyrus singing Jolene, it the Dolly Parton song. It's like in a backyard or something Kurt, like that. Call, call Kurt Cameron. Tell him to take down your Miley Cyrus filter just for like Tell him what you're minutes. doing. You're just yeah. here in a cover. Well, that's the thing. It's <laughs> like, it's like Cohen with me. Like we have filters on our thing. It's called Circle on our home <laughs> internet. And he'll be like, hey, dad, Circle's, you know, not letting me do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, all right, that's allowed. Okay. So I'll, <laughs> and I'll go and like open it up for him so he can go to this old website or whatever. That's what you got to do with Kurt Cameron when you're Searching yeah. for Miley Cyrus songs <laughs> or videos. You gotta just gotta call him up, Kirk. Just looking for Jolene, not the other ones. He will he will judgingly question you, and he will doubt you the whole time. Give but you at least an, at least you let him know. That's yeah. right. All right. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? <laughs> well, this is my favorite. I've been following the story uh, pretty close. Um, so uh, Rob Lowe, another Parks and Rec character, we've already talked about Nick Offerman, um, is getting ready to release release a new tv show and it's <laughs> it's called the low files and this show is follow it's a docu-series so it's like a you know a documentary as the, the documentaries are pretty they play pretty fast and loose these days especially on cable tv and this was coming out on a and e the home of shows like storage wars so i i don't know how much is fictionalized but Either way, it follows him and his uh, a couple of his teenage sons as they go exploring the paranormal. And so he's been doing press about the low files. And he claims that during uh, this show, he was almost killed by a Bigfoot. Like the Rob Lowe, okay, has his career has come to a point where he's actually telling people that in the mountains of Arkansas, he was almost murdered by a Bigfoot. Here's what he said. He said, we had, <laughs> we had an incredible encounter with what locals call the wood ape, which is in the Ozark Mountains. I'm fully, fully aware I sound like a crazy Hollywood kook right now. Uh, he said, I, you know, during the encounter, I was lying on the ground <laughs> thinking I was going to be killed. You know, it would only I and I don't I would never want to make light of tragedy. But when I saw this story trending, had Rob Lowe been killed by a Bigfoot? <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be the greatest headline on the internet. After like everyone's like promoting promoting their, like posting their in uh you know the uh like remembrances of like his career and it's like man it's so tragic like another Hollywood actor has succumbed to death by Bigfoot. And you'd think that they would probably start some sort of charity. Like, you know, we can end Bigfoot attacks in our lifetime. (laughs) Bigfoot attacks are the number one cause of death for males aged 40 to 55. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) it's like, you know, Rob Lowe's death by Bigfoot, uh, you know, is a tragedy and we should never forget that. But there is a silver lining here. More people are uh, aware of the, the dangers of the Ozark wood ape. You know, so I mean, it's not a total tragedy. Like Rob Bell, doing Rob, everything I can, doing everything I can to stop the the scourge of Bigfoot deaths. How many more of Rob Lowe's generation of actors must die? How many more? How many more Brat Packers do we have to lose at the hand of cryptozoological creatures until people start taking this problem seriously? Eventually, they get just like we have the Sarah McLaughlin ads that comes on late at night and during the late night show with pictures of celebrities playing over her music and superimposed with Bigfoot images in the background. <laughs> just really sad, like malnourished Bigfoots and stuff. <laughs> no, adopting that, that, shouldn't we cheer that? Because the, the more malnourished they are, the less the likely less they are the to have the strength yeah. to, to kill someone of Rob Lowe's stature. Or they, or they become more desperate and they start as, yeah, you know, hungry. Yeah, that's true. They can be pretty dangerous. That's, but the, I'll tell you what, a, a few days, malnourishment is the difference between having the strength to take out a Rob Lowe and having to settle for something like a C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be like the two biggest news store. Like, okay, I don't wish anything. Rob Lowe seems like he's in incredible health. Like, that's part of his brand. So I don't wish anything negative. But if something happened and, and, and Rob Lowe met an untimely death, that would be the biggest story in the world for that moment. If we discovered Bigfoot, independently of Rob Lowe's death. That would be the big... I just love it because it would combine two stories. Like, did you hear about Rob Lowe? It's such a tragedy. And dude, Bigfoot's real. Like, this is, <laughs> this is a huge thing. It's hard to say which, which part of this story is actually bigger news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's my thing. It's like, which would actually, in our celebrity culture, which would be a bigger deal? And I think, I think they're actually perfectly balanced. That's why I think it's the per- his death by Bigfoot would have been the perfect news story. <laughs> right, what do you have, Tyler? <laughs> okay, so I have a so I'm bringing a study to the table that has uh, some surprising facts. I'm going to build up to what I think the biggest, fa- the bi- the most surprising fact in here was the most surprising stat. Because uh, I want you guys' take on it. Because I, I, I don't. I believe in science. I love the scientific community. I don't think the science on this is correct. And, I, and I'm going to trust you guys to back me up on this one. So, a new study from the Smartphone and IoT Consumer Trends 2017 says, and this is pretty crazy by itself, that 25% of millennials spend at least five hours a day using their smartphones. Five hours a day is a lot of time. That's like what. Two Lord of the Rings movies or so, five and a half hours. Ago, so it's like, that's usually. How, I, I was going to say that's Adam's baby almost falling off something seven hundred times by his calculation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and like half millennials spend like three hours a day on their phones. So whatever the kids these days are on their iPhones. Not a big like. It's not like huge news to anybody, right? That's fine. 
But then it drops in at the end of this article that I read, this note that I, I don't believe at all. Uh, and this harkens back to what Jesse was talking about with our celebrity obsessed culture. It says 74% of responders say they would not give up their cell phone for a full day, even if it meant they would get to spend that day with their favorite celebrity. And oh, wow. come on, I would <laughs> give up my phone. I would, I would give up like my mom to spend a full day with my favorite celebrity. Okay. Okay. Real quick. Uh, so I think that's preposterous. Like I can't, I don't know one person that wouldn't hand over their phone for a day to spend with their favorite celebrity. That seems insane to me. Like, yeah, I, I guess I it is. I don't trust that. See, I would give anything because I actually can't spend the day with my favorite celebrity because sadly, Rob Lowe, as we know, was tragically killed by Bigfoot. <laughs> I would I, give anything to bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Here's the question. If, if it means bringing Rob Lowe back from the grave, even though he was ripped limb, limb from limb by, by a Bigfoot, yeah, I'll give my phone away. You know, I mean... <laughs> I for for what for what I if I the world is never going to get one more direct TV campaign because of that vicious beast that we refuse to even acknowledge his existence for a while. Yeah, you know, look who's laughing now. Look who's laughing. Now. <laughs> I'd give up my phone for a day to probably to spend with any celebrity. Like it wouldn't even have to be like my favorite. It wouldn't have to be like a Harrison Ford situation. It could be like I don't know. See what Jonathan Taylor Thomas is up to these days. I hang out with him for the day without a cell phone. But the, uh, the catch-22 here is without your smartphone, how do you prove it happened? That's the issue. Yeah, it's a real yeah, exactly. issue. I get it. Hey, hey Cohen, what uh, celebrity would you want to spend the day with? I don't know. If anybody in the world, who Anyone. would you want to hang out? Anybody in the whole world? Yo Gabba Gabba? No. <laughs> a Transformer? Yes. Yeah, that'd be cool. Would you would you give up your phone to be able to spend the day with a transformer? Yes. You would? Yes. You would really well, give we, up your we phone. We have a surprise for you. Give me your phone. What if the transformer turned into a phone? Then you get best of both worlds. Oh, <laughs> now that would be an epic transformer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so quick around the table. If you could spend the day with one celebrity, who who would it be? Adam, we'll we'll start with you. This is this is you know, in the thankfully in the in the current world where uh Rob Lowe's death by Sasquatch was narrowly in fact avoided. Wait, now is there a guarantee that you hit it off with said celebrity and you all become friends? No, it could friends? be really awkward, but you so. have to yeah. spend the entire day with him, even if even if you come in a little bit too hot and things get weird out of the gate. Yeah. You, the whole day yeah, is every uh, Everyone listening is going to immediately think I'm going to say Bob Balaban, right? And yes, he's <laughs> he's high on the list. He's high on the list. But but there but there is a restraining order that'll prevent that from right. ever happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who narrowly edges him out is Wallace Shawn, uh, who you may remember as Vincini from The Princess Bride. I oh. would I would do just about anything to spend the day with Wallace Shawn. There you go. That's. That is, yeah, and that we could, re- we could reenact. Uh, we could reenact my dinner with Andre. <laughs> 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 Do you have the action figures from the end of uh, Waiting for Guffman? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> my dinner with Andre playset. Yeah, uh, I would probably do Charles Barkley. I've, I've, he's been my favorite basketball player since I was in high school, 
and I think he'd be a fun, a fun hang. Oh, he would definitely be a fun hang. Yeah, it'd turn into something like The Hangover, which you know, like I just feel I, like I picture every weekend ends like The Hangover for Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah. There's a tiger <laughs> in a hotel bathroom, and he's trying to figure out how it happened yet again. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. My, my favorite Charles Barkley moment is at the All Star Game one time where he was donating some big check to charity. He's like, "We've raised fifty thousand dollars," or Two hands of blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> he just makes light of being a degenerate gambler and doesn't care. I literally, I literally heard him say, he says, I like to gamble, but I don't have a gambling problem. Do you know why? I'm rich. And I was like, hey, I, that logic is actually pretty sound. That yeah. is sound logic. Yeah. yeah. What, about, what about you, Tyler? Who'd you, who's your... Okay, person? so I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. And, uh, and so if you're just doing... In 24 hours, you have to think about a few things. You have to remember, first of all, like you said, you may not hit it off with this person. Right. So just because, you know, maybe you love Kanye, you're not going to want to spend 24 hours with Kanye. It'd be miserable. You'd have a terrible time. You'd probably be on his phone the entire day. time. I think it'd be an awful day hanging out with Kanye all day. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like listening to his music. I don't want to, I don't want to meet the guy. So you got to go with somebody who you could be guaranteed a relatively good time with. And to that, to that point, I think I would have a blast. I think anybody would have a blast spending 24 solid hours with Miley Cyrus. What? That girl oh, lives her I think life you're like absolutely 20, right. Absolutely right. seven party. Like on Instagram, she's always like buying new like inflatable pools to put in her backyard. And she's buying crazy animals. Like let's go buy, let's go buy another pony to add them to the Miley Cyrus pony farm. I don't think, I don't think she has any misses in her day. And that's why I'd hang out with her. Hmm. I bet you're absolutely right. Like, I bet she is an absolute blast to hang out with. And she knows weird people, too, like Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips. You might yeah, end up hanging yeah. out with him, too. You don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a package deal, but you don't know what else is in the, like, it's a wild bag. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah, it's like a blind box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. It could be the Hemsworth See, brothers. It, it could be Hillary Clinton. It, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about, you know, like guaranteed good time, 24 seven party. Once I thought you were going to steal mine and go for Wallace Shawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say, I assumed he was off the table. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised because I thought we'd all have the same choice, which I feel like is the most obvious choice of who right. I would pick. And that's Mr. David Blaine. Oh, like the, day, no. the day would start. It, the day would start. Be like, okay, so I get to shoot you in the face right off the bat. Like, what would we do? That? Like, then we move on to the ice picks, and you're burping up frogs. Like, so you I, I mean, we got, we got, we got, we only got a day. Let's get to it, man. You think it hanging out? You think hanging out with him is is like you just get to reenact every trick he's ever done? No, because his whole listen. Because the type of magic he does is hang out magic. Have you seen any of his specials? Yeah, all he's doing all is hanging out. He's yeah. that. He's at Harrison Ford's house, hanging out. He, you know, he, he's at, for some reason, in David Beckham's apartment, hanging out. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, you know, pulling uh, uh, the, the jack of spades out of a, a, a uncut cantaloupe. Or like, oh, he's just hanging out with Steph Curry. Or he's walking down the street, hanging out. All the guy does is hang out and do magic. That's his whole life. That's his career. Hang out magic. Jesse, here's how I picture this going down for you. You wake up in the morning. It's your big day with David Blaine. You get excited. You look at your watch huh, you're supposed to be here like half hour ago where's david blaine you go downstairs you see your wife uh, i'm really bummed
bummed today, sweetie. I thought today David Blaine was coming over. Wife unzips the mask. It was David Blaine all along. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not only was it David Blaine all along, it's always been David Blaine. I actually married David Blaine. <laughs> he was playing the long con. <laughs> the payoff the payoff of that moment was worth it, though. You know? I mean, the, 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 the more than a decade that he had to stay married to me, you know, the payoff of that moment was, wow, you really pulled one over. This is... Now can I see you in the face? That's that'd be my next Jesse's not even bummed. He's just so impressed by the trick that he's like, unbelievable. You really are the greatest street magician of all time. <laughs> hey, you know, I guess um, technically this is street magic. I'm a little weird out right now, but bravo, <laughs> sir. Bravo. Yeah, like I haven't fully thought through all the implications of this, but just... It- Initial impression, I am impressed. <laughs> a good trick is a good trick. Credit where it's due. Uh, all right. You brought a slice, Adam, all the way from down under? I did indeed. And it's uh, very specific and relevant to uh, our, our day-to-day problems here in Australia. Oh, okay. So driverless cars, of course, are... Uh, Hopefully, they'll become the the norm in the future, and uh, we will kind of, you know, uh, force the robots to do our bidding and uh, chauffeur us hither and yon. Uh, But right now, apparently, they're facing a bit of trouble in trying to get the technology off the ground in Australia. Uh, Volvo has been doing some road testing with their uh, driverless cars, and they're having a hard time in Australia because it can't properly detect kangaroos <laughs> so something about the way a kangaroo moves throws off the car's detection system it can't tell when a, a kangaroo is up in the air where it's going to come down and it can't properly identify a kangaroo the way it can other animals or humans so that's before we can get driverless cars here in australia they have to crack the kangaroo code can i just say <laughs> this story makes me like i'm a i'm a self-driving car hardcore skeptic like there's gonna be a long time before i feel comfortable getting into a car just letting it zip me around if i don't have my hands on the wheel or foot on the brake and this makes me all the more skeptical one because you're like they can't find they can't figure out the complicated problems involved with kangaroos like where they come down after they jump hey i got an idea how about looking six inches from where it took off the ground like it doesn't seem like that big of a science problem to figure out like you're telling you're going to take me 70 miles on the interstate but you can't figure out where a kangaroo jumps like that, that doesn't give me all that much faith in the technology I don't know. I'm, well, I, I am I am waiting with bated breath for the day where I can just sit back and play Candy Crush and not have to look at the road. I, that's kind of what I do now, but it's then it would be socially acceptable. But without the yeah, prosecution. Then, then people speeding down me on the highway when I veer into their lanes are going to look at me all judgy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, is there a fix in, in motion? I mean, like... They, they are trying to p- put a fix into place, but it's very complicated because you know to jesse's point talking about a kangaroo jumping coming down six inches from where it took off the thing is they can jump about 15 feet in Mm. in a single jump so and you never know if a kangaroo is going to do a long jump or a short jump and uh they're they're wily they're wily creatures you don't know if they're gonna (laughs) hop alongside the car for a while or dart out in front of it they're uh they're they're tough to predict much like the uh you know the elusive bigfoot 
it's just it's difficult to uh, kind of predict what their behavior is going to be. So I can understand how it's a tough code to crack. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but my thing is like if 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 it takes kangaroos to throw a red flag in the self driving cars, what about a driver that acts erratically? Like if I can't like if I'm worried about the implications of I don't know what like a hundred pound animal that 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 my that this sophisticated self driving technology doesn't know how to deal with, I'm fine like driving through a school zone. In it like that that's yeah, that's my and, i don't mean to sound like a like a technology curmudgeon but i are. just don't i just don't like i don't fully trust this whole thing yeah and moreover what about the inevitable moment when uh you know keanu, Re- keanu reeves and uh um sandra bullock are on a bus that they can't let drop below 50 miles <laughs> per hour and you're driverless car has to react to getting out of the way of that bus as it barrels through town. Right. Well, next thing you know, Adam, they're going to have self-driving boats and then we're going to have the plot even more concerning to me is speed to cruise control, which in fact, terrorists yeah. take control of a cruise boat. I mean, there's just you know, even the high seas, even open water is unsafe at that point. The whole trend concerns me. Yeah. No one's built an algorithm yet that can, uh, that can predict someone like say Dennis Topper. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Lainey joins us. Listen, seeing you got ritualistic, cleansing my soul of addiction for now, cause I'm falling apart. Yep. Tension between us, just like picket fences. You got issues that I won't mention for now Cause we're falling apart Passionate from miles away Passive with the things you say Passing up on my always I can't blame you, no No Passionate from miles away Passive with the things you say Passing up on my always I can't blame you, no No You're listening to the Drake the song's Passion Fruit As If You Don't Know Chandler was advocating heavily for this song I was like, isn't that a little played out? I mean, we've all yeah. been like That was on heavy rotation two months ago He's like, oh, but it's so summery It's minor chords so, so I got a, I got a question for you, uh, Chandler. When you're hanging by the pool doing your thing, mm-hmm. Drake is is just blasting, right? That's your Always. that's your that's what you do. You just oh, yeah. float in down the pool listening to Drake. <laughs> okay, you're actually literally you describing my weekends. Yeah. I mean, that's actually what I do. I float in the pool listening to edited Drake. Yeah, because I don't want to trigger the Kurt Cameron filter. Right, right. Yeah. You know? So, so Cameron, your summers are basically the OVO crew. Like that. That's what you're rocking. That's that's 100. percent that, That's that. You know, honestly, and this isn't me throwing shade at, at any of the OVO. Uh, what what's the R and B band that they put out last year that we were that was good? The duo, um, Maggie Jordan. Yeah, 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 yeah Maggie Jordan. So, okay, this is probably I probably shouldn't say this, but do you feel like in a way that some of the OVO artists are like the the modern day equivalent? of yacht rock like you want to be on a boat you want the open shirt you want the heat you want the wind and you just want to rock that 
know what? I don't, I don't that. mean that as an insult. No, the I, fact I, that you're equating the two, which I've never done, would explain my love for both. I love Yacht Rock and I love OVO. I mean, when I'm in the pool and I'm floating, I literally more often than not, I'm going to put on that week's episode of OVO Sound Radio, which is like a two yeah. hour mix of just kind of OVO vibe. It's great. But would you would you think that's a fair thing to say that it's sort of a modern equivalent of like the Yacht Rock? <laughs> Fine with me. <laughs> Michael McDonald. <laughs> 2.0. What, what about you, Jesse? You're, you live close to a beach. You're on the water a I lot. Do. You're able to go down there and get some surf, get some sun. What do you put on? He's rocking Jolene the whole time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I'll oh, rock a lot of different stuff. I'll rock like, um, yeah, sometimes, dude, I, I just have like, you know what? I don't care. And I'm going to put the Jimmy Buffett on because I don't care. What? Like, <laughs> I will like, I because that. look, here's the thing. Okay. The, the, <laughs> tough, the one element, okay, I got to be honest here. The one element like about like, I love everything we do, but I feel like we're always immersed in like the latest and coolest music and I'm always listening to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we talk about the artists we want to feature in the magazine. We're going to hear Laney today, which by the way, Laney would be a great poolside album. But That's sometimes true. when I'm like, when I'm, when I'm unplugged, I want to go old school and not that good. Like I need to like it's like the it's like the palate cleanser. You know what I mean? My, my like palate, you my, have to be reminded uh, that like, dude, there's some bad, crappy music out there, and you just gotta you just gotta absorb it for a little while. My palate cleanser <laughs> when I don't want to be cool is I listen to jazz, like old jazz. And in fact, like well, when I'm cooking dinner, that's still pretty cool. Though. I don't know, I, it's cool. just, but it's not like on trend or anything. And it's like I've heard the same like you know Miles Davis songs you know fifty thousand times. But like Cohen even knows like when I'm cooking dinner, like he'll just go Alexa, play Miles Davis. Like he just knows that like we have to listen to jazz <laughs> if Dad's cooking. So. Okay, this is another one's not cool, but I'll listen to like you, you guys know Bobby Darren. He's like a poor man's Frank. Frank I think you're Sinatra. thinking of Bobby McFerrin. Uh, uh, don't worry, be happy. That's what you're thinking <laughs> yeah. of. Hey, that's another good poolside. But like he sings somewhere <laughs> beyond the sea. Like Bobby uh, Darren is great poolside deck music as well. You know what's what's messed up about my Apple playlist is that I buy a lot of joke songs for like my Instagram stories. <laughs> so like I'm yeah. on the cruise and I was like, oh, I need to put Kokomo in the background of this. So but to put it on your Instagram stories, you have to buy the song, you know, because yeah. you have to own it. And so like I have all these random songs. And then when I'm on a plane, which I was this week, you know, you're not on Wi-Fi or whatever. So I have to play just whatever's downloaded. And then my, my <laughs> iTunes just downloads whatever. I've just recently purchased. So my recently, my like added recently or whatever, or recently added, and then it's been downloaded. It is the most messed up mix of music because it's like really cool stuff and then Kokomo comes on. And Do I'm not like, besmirch the good name of the Beach Boys Kokomo. That is an all, that is a jam forever. But, but I, I feel like you got to go with like the Hall and Oates, right? Like that's, that's, that's like the Yacht Rock, you know, staple. And then Steve Winwood. You know, bring me higher love back in the high life again. There's nothing. There's nothing that wants to make you feather your hair, put on your whitest linen shirt, and just like bask in the sun than some Steve Winwood. Yep. <laughs> bring me a higher love. Hey, it's a different era, and you just gotta you just gotta absorb it sometimes. You know? You're probably noticing that our good friend Adam B. Smith uh, is not contributing to this conversation. Where is he? He left. Uh, the rest of this show is actually just going to be uh, the rest of us. Adam had to go. He's in Sydney. He had babies and uh, they have to do things. So uh, Adam had to step out. So you're going to hear him say goodbye at the end of the show. But uh, that's why he's just kind of vanished. The, the uh, magic of that's a movie. magic, I, right I, there. And it's a, the real tragedy is he is an ardent defender of Steve Winwood. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, this week's feature interview is brought to you by Blue Apron. 
picnics, potlucks, dinner parties, barbecues, good food is essential to a successful summer. And now it's easier than ever to create delicious summer meals with Blue Apron. Because for less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-proportioned ingredients right to your door. Uh, Blue Apron is completely flexible, so you can customize your recipes each week and choose a delivery option that fits your needs. And their freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Featured upcoming meals in the month of July include... But wait, before you get started, let me just say this. I am starving right now. I haven't eaten all day. And this is both the best and worst part of the ad read because the best is like (laughs) these meals are like... These are the real things. Blue Apron. This is available to me. The worst part is like, I want it right now. But please continue because it sounds amazing. Seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers. Mm. Creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges. Mm. Quick pick. Oh, you did not say quick pickle. Fresh <laughs> basil, <laughs> fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cu- cubanale pepper, uh, chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. I didn't even know. I would have never thought to combine the words chili butter and steak as one <laughs> item. And and my mind is blown right now. I got it. This is is incredible. Check gotta out this it. week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com/relevant. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash relevant. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Indie pop trio Laney has just dropped their self-titled debut album, which is fueled by 80s-style synth and dance-friendly beats. We recently talked with the band about the album, their unique approach to songwriting, how they created their signature sound on the album, and got a behind-the-scenes look at what the recording process of their debut record looked like. Uh, we've been loving Laney for a couple oh, yeah. of years now, and it's like, wait, this how is this their debut album? They've been releasing EPs for the last couple of years, and it has finally kind of amassed into this uh, collection of music. It's fantastic. Just came out last week. Here is Laney. It was You guys met uh, Nashville here where I'm at right now and you decided to take the band out to L.A. Uh, What's the difference between the music scene out there and to the music scene that you came up around here in Tennessee? When we went out there, I just feel like we were making music um, kind of opposite to the way that most people made music in Nashville. Um, Sometimes I've said that Laney was kind of the rebellion against the Nashville way and the formula that people tend to make music there. Oh, really? How so? Um, well, we we did everything on a Dell computer in the front room of a little house, and we still do that to this day. But a lot of times, people will bring in outside session players, play on songs. Um, and in my experience, when I was a singer-songwriter, just kind of doing the solo artist thing, I was always having to to hire a producer and, and an engineer because I don't know how to do that stuff really. Like, I'm not very tech savvy as far as it goes. Like, garage band is as far as it goes for me. So I would be spending thousands of dollars to pay somebody to facilitate my vision, but my vision would be compromised because I was constantly, like, be 
being told, hey, you know, this 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 section needs something more on like the high end. You know, we need like a higher frequency here and blah blah blah. And it, it just was at the end of my time on songs, I felt like. And this isn't even like what I wanted it to sound like. And here I am, and I've spent like thousands of dollars on these supposedly like best, some of the best musicians and players in the world. And it was so, it was so nice to walk into a room with my friends and go completely off of pure instinct and conviction. And everybody in the room never said no to anything. Where do we go wrong? I know we started out all right. Where do we go wrong? I swear I knew we last this time Where do we go wrong? Or did you, did you change your mind? How could you change your mind? Who got inside your mind? Where do we go wrong? I know we started out alright Where do we go wrong? I swear I knew we last this time Where do we go wrong? Or did you, did you change your mind? How could you change your mind? Who got inside your mind? You know, and another thing is we don't have a ton of gear, especially in the early days. I we had a micro cord. That's it. A micro cord, a MIDI controller for like garage band sounds and logic sounds. We had a Roland SPDSX, which is like a drum pad, drum machine, and then we would use iPhone apps for drum sounds and synthesizer sounds and stuff like that. So we let our limitations define our art and we just use whatever was in front of us and use those as parameters to create within. this really cool sort of minimalistic vibe where where you uh, try to keep things really stark is it hard to maintain that sort of aesthetic once you're out in LA and having some success and obviously have a lot more resources around right. you so you, if you really wanted to go big you could if we think that the song deserves more or we're like ah oh, we really we need to go out and get that we will it's not it's not really principle set in stone like hey man if it's not in the room we don't it doesn't make it on that song but I just think that we know what works and especially us being so early in our career you know this being a debut album it just felt like sticking to what we know and sticking to what we do and what we're good at and staying in our lane and I mean we, we spent one like afternoon or one day in a studio and I just we all felt lost we didn't I don't I don't even know if it would elevate our game it was more just like man I don't I don't know what to do this room is weird like I don't know about this gear can we just go home and put the drums in the kitchen and like Les you can figure out how to mic it and let's just I mean all of our guitars have been tracked in like a kitchen same with the drums it's just kind of how we do it and that's why I think Laney doesn't sound like anything else in the world and i think that might be part of the magic that's there with us
guys have done really well for a young band. You've got a lot of hype behind you. You've had a lot of success with some of your early EPs, and now you're getting it for your full-length debut. Do you think that it would be a little bit easier if you didn't have all this hype around you, if you just kind of dropped a brand-new album, a, a full-length debut, without all of the, the energy and attention around you? Yeah, of course. I mean, it does feel a little bit like it's definitely not all eyes on us, but there are a lot of eyes on us. And we're getting to the point where we're reaching X amount of people. It's that, and it's a large enough amount of people that there are inevitably going to be people that don't like what we do or who we are. And then for whatever reason, I've never really understood it. <laughs> but those sometimes those people feel the need to express their disapproval publicly about the art that you make, which I think is fascinating and so indicative of like the brokenness of humanity. But there is pressure. But I mean, I've listened to this album a thousand times and I've poured my heart and soul into it. Same with The Voice. And when we finished it, we knew that this was the best that we had. I mean, I feel, I feel creatively wrenched, like exhausted. I have, lit, I have nothing else to, to give. I mean, that's a really good feeling because I can take a step back and throw my hands up in the air and be like, hate it or love it, this was my absolute best and this is everything that I had inside of me. And for me, this album is really just to prove to the world that we deserve a seat at the table of musical and cultural conversation. And, and so I think putting the 16 track debut album out is just kind of like, hey, we're serious and like, we deserve to be in the mix of, of all of this. That was Lainey. Stay tuned up next. Sharon Conwu joins us. I saw you close your eyes, which isn't creepy at all. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. I saw you close your eyes. I saw you close your eyes. I added, which isn't creepy at all. Not that's not the song name. <laughs> I've talked about this before, but I feel like it's it's. I'm going to bring it up one more time. Please. The Crowder version of the John Mark McMillan song, where he changed the <laughs> lyric "sloppy wet kiss" to an unforeseen kiss. Yes. <laughs> That's the creepiest line, not just in Christian music and all of music, because there's no way a kiss that is unforeseen can be consensual. Like an un- unforeseen kiss is someone just ran up to you and kissed you. That's right. And I don't yeah. think that's appropriate for a Christian music song. It's creepy. That's all I'm saying. No shade. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago. We're cool, but I'm on record on that. He could have replaced sloppy wet with anything. 
You know, like there's a lot of multi-syllables that would have fit there. It's, it's weird kiss. that he went unforeseen. Passionate oh, kiss. very sweet kiss. An innocent kiss, Kirk Cameron. Yeah. A kiss in the confines of marriage. Doesn't fit as well, but it's there. The Kirk Cameron edition <laughs> of the album. Yeah. Sharon Cohn Wu is the senior vice president of justice system transformation at IJM international justice mission and is dedicated to finding ways to secure justice and protect the oppressed by reforming public justice systems along with having degrees from the university of Virginia and Harvard law where she graduated cum laude. She has worked in international law for more than 16 years and is recognized as a leader in the fight against sex trafficking. She's personally led teams that have rescued thousands of children, women, and men around the world. Our very own Eddie Koffelt sat down with her on this week's episode of the new Activist Podcast, which just dropped yesterday, to learn about her work and all we can do to help. Here's a portion of that conversation. Your IJM bio states, and I want to read it word for word, her direct efforts have resulted in the release of children in the Philippines, Thailand, India, the Ivory Coast, and Cambodia, and the teams she led have brought rescue to thousands of children, women, and men around the world. I, I'm saying this and you're kind of uh, you're recoiling a little bit because you're not the kind of person that would take a bow. It's not what IJM does, but can you explain how that statement is is <laughs> is true? It's been an extraordinary privilege uh, to have been with the organization for now 15 years. Uh, and I was very, very privileged in the early years to um, travel with teams and to work with our local teams uh, directly on cases um, and therefore to have um, to have interacted and had some small part in um, the rescue of uh, children in a number of different places. And uh, then to, over the years, have uh, different leadership responsibilities um, where our teams in the field have mm. done just extraordinary things. So you've actually been like on operations, like you've been with teams and you've been a part of watching this in the field? Yes. Do you remember the first time that you were on one and can you talk about it? Uh, the first time I met a child who was a victim of commercial sexual exploitation was in Cote d'Ivoire mm. back in... Um, which I mistakenly called the Ivory Coast. Uh, Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire in 2001. Um, and uh, these girls had been were Nigerian and they had been trafficked by uh, a family friend and relative from um, Nigeria to Cote d'Ivoire mm -hmm. with the promise of uh, a job in Italy mm -hmm. um, because there were uh, women from their home state in Nigeria who had gone to Italy through Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, and when they arrived in Cote d'Ivoire, um, they were told that there was no money for them to go home. There was no way they could go to uh, Italy, but that they had to um, be abused by men in order to earn enough money to either go home or to go to Italy. Mm. Because they were uh, not French speakers um, and couldn't talk to people uh, in the city of Abidjan and couldn't find a way home or out. They could do nothing um, but be uh, exploited. The one girl was 14, the other girl was 15. And so um, one of the investigators uh, at IJM at the time um, interacted uh, with them to gather some information uh, from them. And then um, they came to a room where they thought they were going to be uh, exploited and instead um, 
I was talking to them, uh, as was the investigator. And that interaction, I will tell you, um, I remember virtually every detail because the first time you meet uh, a child who is um, suffering in quite this unique way and um, a victim of trauma in this um, particularly brutal way, uh, it sticks with you. You don't forget it. I've met many, 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 many children over the years, um, but I'll never forget the first two girls I met. Going back to 2001, how can you be hopeful even having seen that which is crushing? There are obviously sort of seasons and moments where the profound, um, where you just, I had a sense this last summer where you just had this, uh, where I was writing someone and I said, I just, um, I just was weeping again over this case that we had both been involved in. I was like, because I'm just overwhelmed by the sense that evil won, that it just won, you know, that actually, evil one. So I, I, it would not be, would not be truthful to say that I, um, I'm hopeful all the time, um, or that I don't actually trend to dark, but I think, yes, sort of on the big picture, I am hopeful. And at least in part, because I have also been quite fortunate as to be able to either walk alongside or at least keep in touch with some of the um, survivors from the early years and I know their stories and I know it has a different ending and at the very least I know for example if you take the case in Ghana from a few weeks ago like mm-hmm. that was the first day of just better days not all of them all the time but those children that's the beginning of a different story mm-hmm. you know what I mean up to that time they were just instruments they were they were property of someone who just took everything from them and gave nothing no care, no love, nothing. Mm. And it just, so that the, the day where they were rescued, you know, that just begins a different story. You know, not a perfect story. None of our stories are perfect, but where there's like opportunity and hope and school and childhood and laughter and games and people who care about them and care for them and believe they have value and dignity and are, uh, and are worth something. And so I guess... Those those glimpses also stay with you. The epicness of what it appears you do, like sometimes feels, I think can feel unattainable to people. Like, okay, I would have, you know, reading your bio, you went to impressive schools, impressive. I mean, it was, it was cool, right? I know you love talking about yourself, but like you have this whole story and now you're doing this just epic work and there's folklore stories about it. Some of it is halfway true and not true. And I, I think that like if someone is 19, and hearing you talk may think, well, that is unattainable for me to do anything now unless I do these these equally epic things over the next 20 years and then I could start to be helpful. What would you say to that person? Okay, so <laughs> I, I would say a couple things. One is like, you know, because uh, you read see- bios with some skepticism yeah. uh, in general and sort of dial it down some, some there. I mean, I do have heroes, so I wouldn't say I don't, uh, right. I don't believe what I read, but I would say, you know, some healthy skepticism um, in an age of ego, maybe. But um, what I, w- what I would say is, uh, and again, so you look at another, so from Mother Teresa, taking your lessons from Mother Teresa is never a bad idea, but I also you would say possibly not replicable, right? <laughs> um, but still, she made some line in a documentary that was done about, but Father, if I'd never picked up the first one, 
we never would have picked up what, whatever was yeah. at that time, you know, the 17,000 um, folks that they had uh, cared for. And I do think that um, what I did, it's possible to be overwhelmed and it's, it's also possible to just use that as an excuse for not doing anything. So I think both of those things are true, but if you were setting out to do something, like the first things you do to set out to do it is actually do the first thing, right? So that is, if you really want to, uh, you know, pursue justice in the law, well, you know, study, like do your next class and, and work at it and do the next thing and do, you know, and and try to, to find the mentors who will help you or, take your footsteps in the legal spaces that need to be in order to get you in that space, right? It doesn't generally just come upon you. You do have to, you have some agency in that. But the, but the other thing is, I think uh, it doesn't just do the next right thing, right? So what I am always uh, amazed at and humbled by so many people that I know is the sort of people they take into their lives, take into their house. I think of just... For example, care for the refugee community or um, just the volunteering that people do, the service they do and love all the time, which it, I, I I will say sort of far exceeds what I ever did. Like, I think there are steps you can take to show love in whatever space you're in. And then I do think it's some trust that those that opportunities will come if that's actually what you want. Like both you pursue it and believe like that there'll be spaces made for you to um to try and to um, pursue uh, sort of what your passion is. Like, what do you have passion in? And then develop the expertise in that thing if you can, and then work really hard at it and offer in those spaces where it's not actually your job, but you'd like to try it out and sort of take step by step. When I meet 19 year olds, I am in all of them. Cause I will say at 19, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no landscape. I had no North star. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So when I hear how these people are setting up their sort of resumes and strategies in life, one, I mean, sort of good luck, you know, cause life doesn't right. normally, you know, it doesn't always turn out precisely that way that you schedule it, but two, like good on you yeah. like for having a plan. At 18, I was wanting to drop out of school. I was near to dropping out. I sort of took a train to nowhere and then ultimately yeah. found my way back. Um, and I had no idea uh, what to do. At 21, when I graduated school, I had no job and no idea uh, what I wanted to do, but I needed to do something. Mm. And I was really, really... Uh, fortunate to get a great job at uh, at the Justice Department it was a bit of a, a last minute. I almost took a job at the Energy Department doing oil rebates to major. I mean, something less interesting for me, as it turned out. Uh, you know, so like I just I would encourage folks who are thinking that way that you're way ahead of any any space I was in terms of having a sense of where I wanted to go. Um, and so, to the sense you can be more and. Uh, sort of worry less. I'm not discouraging planning, but I think there are a sense of like, be in the space that you're in and love well in that space until you get to the next sort of space, right? Because um, I think there's a ton of anxiety now about how am I going to get to where I want to go? And to the extent you can diffuse that a little bit and just be where you are, um, I think you probably serve yourself and the people around you. That was Sharon Cohn Wu. Uh, if you hear the entire conversation, go check out this week's episode of The New Activist. 
You can uh, find it wherever you choose to browse podcasts. to Holy Holy, the song is Elevator. See, with the band name Holy Holy, you think that they're going to go thematic religious song mm-hmm. names, but nope, they just went Elevator. They th- you think they're going to zig, they zag. I like that about it's them. An, you know, it could be a metaphor, you know. Elevator, it's a, like, ver- it's a vertical, vertical, it's a device place. that's well, meant wait, to go vertical. The question vertical. is, is the elevator going up or is it going down? You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. That's, yeah. Love it in elevator. That's depending on when these kisses are happening. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, it's time for your feedback. Um, Okay, so if you remember back to last week's episode, uh, John B. Christ joined us, and we got talking about men's retreats. You know, it wasn't enough that we had five guys on the podcast. We're fully aware of the lack of female influence uh, listeners. <laughs> We're working on that. Uh, it wasn't enough that we had five guys talking. We started to also talk about men's church retreats. Um, it was really funny. Uh, the question of the week that we asked you, we wanted your ideas to how to improve church retreats. You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You guys also went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here are a few of our favorites. Uh, Brandon on Twitter had my favorite piece of feedback. He said that the new feature at the men's retreat 2017, a 30 minute session with a polygrapher to quote, add some accountability. (laughs) (laughs) Crap you in the old lie detector. Is this a one-on-one thing kind of like off in private or do you like pull somebody up on stage? (laughs) That's hilarious. No, 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 it needs to be public. This needs to, it's only, it's only men. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of public shaming, but uh, it's, it's men who are your peers. Possibly, uh, you know, your mentors and the elders, obviously. Yeah. And they're taking notes. But it's clearly, I like it. It's clearly one of those situations where they ask for a volunteer. Everybody looks away. They don't want to make eye contact. And then they just pick somebody out of the crowd. The person who's making the least amount of eye contact. You know, that's the guy that they zero in on. The <laughs> that's guy who's, clearly the one who has some secret struggles going on. <laughs> yeah. Who's, been, who's been perpetrating some unforeseen kisses. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get that guy up. Get the strap him in. He's 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 been searching for some Miley Cyrus videos. If you yeah, look at his I, I was history. still looking for the Jolene cover. I swear, uh-huh. I heard it was great. Uh-huh. You didn't clear it with Kirk first. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, exactly. You, you're going to learn a harsh lesson right now because we're going to dig deep on this thing. Um, uh, Caleb said that they just had their first men's retreat this year at their church. He's he's an associate pastor at a, at a Is he church. a teaching pastor? He says uh, he's he's the associate pastor of worship, arts, and discipleship. So let me say this, Caleb: discipleship is in your title. I think you're the one who has to procure the lie detector. Uh, that's because because I think accountability and lie detecting is a huge part of modern discipleship, at least in my experience. Um, and they said it turned out that they did actually advertise smoke meat and explosives. Like that was literally on the flyer to get guys to come to the men's retreat, both of which we mentioned last week. But he's a, a, patcher, a pastor in Kentucky. So I think any kind of retreat at that point includes smoke meat and explosions.
Right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Eric Odom brought in the idea. He has the idea of, uh, of a men's conference called grow a pear in which men of the church plant a pear tree and return every year to check on its progress. <laughs> Enjoy a That's weekend of good. sermons on sowing, planting, harvesting. I don't know why it's controversial. When I was reading it and writing, pear is clearly grown. P-E-A-R. You yeah, know? Pear, but, pear, P-E-P-E-A-R. The sad thing, I don't say the sad thing. I could legit imagine going to like a church in this country and like some pastor was dying laughing in his office like this is the greatest PowerPoint slide ever and it says 2017 men's retreat and it literally says grow a pear P-E-A-R with a picture of a pear tree and he just (laughs) loves it and he reads it like 15 times out loud (laughs) before the children have even been dismissed you know (laughs) like it's one thing it's listen we've all been in those services it's one thing to, to dig in deep on that stuff after the children have been dismissed but right. he intentionally did it because he wanted those junior high snickers yeah. well played eric <laughs> <laughs> you know hey well, hold off hold off on the kids they can be here for this one the men's retreat's coming up yeah david said he had the same problem at his men's retreats which was you know guys didn't want to be out there um you know smoking meat and such uh so he added a video game tournament which i think is a great way because when you're playing video games you don't really like it eliminates the talking to each other portion as well you know you just sit there you might as you could be at your home you don't even have to go on the retreat just just jump in the same like halo game do people still play halo like online whatever they play Just jump on that with dudes from your church. That counts as a retreat in my book. Jenny, <laughs> and this is something we should clarify. She said, I can't believe you guys are throwing shade at men's retreats when you're fresh back off from Montana. Montana was nothing like the men's retreat. This was like, we were we were in the lap of luxury here. You know, people were loading our guns for us out there. <laughs> like... There was no agenda. We could do whatever we wanted. Like, that was the beauty of it. Uh, uh, so that's the, the distinction there. You just have to... Like, the problems with the, the, the men's retreat is just there's too much of agenda. You know what time you have to walk into the polygraph section. You know what time you got to start the meat eating. You know what time the second round of accountability comes when you got to make a call to your wife. That's the problem with the modern men's retreat. You too strict of a schedule. Life. You know what time you're actually planting that pear tree because the joke only works and the password is only only allowed to do it if they actually plant a pear tree and it turns out those those seeds got to be go real deep and it's a whole like two hour thing okay real quick before we move on have you guys ever been in a service when you're a kid and uh the pastor was like you know we're gonna i i want to dismiss the kids a little early because um today we were going to talk about some things so so go ahead and and children are dismissed to your sunday school or whatever i always stayed behind on those ones i always i always like all right see you mom dad pick me up later i just snuck in the back i had to hear what was going down and it was some juicy stuff they didn't want us a lot of word puns a lot of things that sounded one way but were spelled another Exactly. Very adult. Very adult. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. There's actually quite a bit. If you are on staff at a church or volunteer at a church, you know, you might want to peruse it for some good ideas. Um, of, <laughs> but of give credit where online. it's due. Like, give, give, make sure these guys, if somebody's out there wants to start like the Grow Up Hair Conference, yeah. make sure Eric gets the, gets the ups for that because it's a good yeah, idea. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Um, okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Uh, well, earlier in the show, we got talking about the very disturbing and very inappropriate phrase in a worship song of all things, sloppy wet kiss. And then how it was changed to be less abrasive to something that was actually far more troubling an unforeseen quit and kiss. <laughs> and uh, it just got us thinking about uh, Christian music lyrics 
Yeah. Uh, not songs, but lyrics. We want to know for this week's feedback, we want to know other Christian music lyrics that have uh, troubled you over the years um, and, and maybe some alternative phrases that we could replace them with for the inevitable, you know, cover song version. <laughs> so um, yeah, so hit us up uh, and let us know troubling Christian music lyrics or confusing Christian music lyrics just stuff that stuck out to you and how you would replace it or change it to make it more palatable. You can hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast, or you can post yours on the, in the comment section on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to our, this week's sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember you can go over to squarespace.com today to start your free trial and then enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks also to Blue Apron. Remember, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. Thanks also to our guests for joining us. Uh, Lainey's debut album is out now. Go check it out. You can also follow them on Twitter at this is Lainey, L-A-N-Y. Thanks also to Sharon Cohn Wu for joining us. Make sure to download the new activist podcast this week's episode to hear more of her amazing story and work. Hey, while you're online, uh, head over to iTunes. Leave a review if you like the show. If, if you don't like the show, you can keep it to yourself. Uh, but if you like the show, leave a <laughs> review. It helps other people find it and kind of gets you know more eyeballs on the show each week. Uh, yeah. And also, while you're online, go over to relevantmagazine.com and grab the magazine. The new issue is out now. The July-August issue just released. An amazing piece with Lecrae is on the cover. It talks about his last year, year and a half of how... He kind of just started to speak out about things that matter and how his fans turned their backs on him and where he's at now and his faith in music. It's fascinating. There's a lot of great content in the issue. You won't want to miss it. You can subscribe now. There's a good deal going on. Uh, kind of the uh, afterglow of the July 4th sale. Uh, there's a good deal still going on at relamagazine.com. Go check it out. The new issue is out now. And I'll say this too. Just This is a time to subscribe because not only are you going to get this new issue, which is unbelievable, but the stuff that's coming down the pipeline too. You want to jump on board now. We did. We, we just, just got, got out of a mag meeting. We did. And I'm pretty stoked on this. Yeah. I, I, I would say that this next issue uh, after the July, August one, no shade to July, August, the next issue might be the best we've ever put out. Yep. Yep. We'll see how it comes together. We still got Whoa. some, it's still wet it's cement. Promising. There's it plenty of ways John David could mess it up. Plenty of ways JD could mess it up. But the way it looks right now, <laughs> if JD doesn't mess it up, this could be the best best issue we've ever that done. Is, that is a true, true statement. Front to back. I mean, we were I mean, we were at the point where you were like, oh, we got to move. We got to cut, maybe hold some stuff. I'm like, dude, there's no weak point here. You know, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm excited about it. All right, go check it out, relevantmagazine.com. All right, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Watch this. This is the, the magic of editing. Here we go. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Cohen Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Adam Smith. We'll see you next week. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe.
bring me a higher love. Hey, it's a different era, and you just gotta you just gotta absorb it sometimes.